0: Well welcome. It is love week. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, there'll be love we'll be showing, our hearts will be glowing, we'll be of good cheer. It's the most that was pretty dramatic, wasn't it? Some of you are like, dude, it's September chill out on the Christmas music. My wife, if I sing another verse of that, she will have our Christmas tree up by the end of the day. So let's just pump the brakes. Anybody like that? You're like, you're like waiting. The, the air is cold and you're like, I better decorate, right? Anybody like, I know you guys are crazy. You're crazy. Maybe, okay, maybe, uh, how about this one now? Uh, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah, Look, listen to all these people with no rhythm. <laughs> Clapping on the one and the three. That's how you know you're in a predominantly Caucasian church. For all my like dark-skinned friends, like, I'm sorry, we have no rhythm. Um, I was trying to help my kids the other day. Like, no, look, we were singing that song in the car. I was like, you don't, you don't clap on the one and the three and this is the day. Do you hear what y'all did? This is the day, this is, no, 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 no. Can we, can we have some soul? You clap, you clap on the downbeat. This is the day. You hear the difference? This is the day. A little, little bit of rhythm, right? Come on. I, trying to, talk, I trying to help my kids. And they're, they're looking at me with their blonde hair and blue eyes. They're like, you made us this way, Dad. I don't know. Like, we're talking about rhythm. We're talking about flow today. Today is the convergence of two major exciting initiatives that, that are kind of coinciding this year, and it's a little bit different. We, this week, as, as has been stated, we're launching Love Week. And those of you who are new to us, you don't know what it is. This, this was this crazy idea we had five years ago where we thought, what would happen if we all just like threw money in a pot and we threw our time at a week, and we saw just how much good we can do collectively in one week's time. So we've done this five years in a row now where we dig deep into our pockets and we give money away. And we're talking not like 10 or 20 bucks, like we're talking six figures kind of stuff that's gonna happen here this weekend. It's incredible. Uh, I actually got the numbers in five five years. We've done this five times now, and each year continues to grow and snowball. But we, up to date, have, have given away in five weeks Weeks. We've done this five times. We've given away $628,000 in five weeks as a church to various charities and people in need. And those of you who are familiar with it, every year we just see so many unbelievable stories of how God directs us to show his love and his grace and his kindness to the region. And so we're gonna do that again today. A uh, full disclosure, at the end of the service, I'm gonna ask you to get out your wallet, get out your cards, get out your plastic, and dig deep and empty your wallet into the jars because we are gonna take a big offering. And some of you are like, oh, here we go, come to church, here's the pastor asking for money, right? <laughs> live in your big house and drive your nice cars. I I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Every dime that's coming in is going out. I'm not getting any of this. It's not how offerings work, by the way. I I don't, I don't get richer by you giving more. That's not how it works. I wish it did. I'd have these super long offerings every week, just like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, just cranking and grinding. It's not how it works. But today we're going to give. We're going to give generously. We're going to give deep. and We're going to give all week. We're going to give our time. We're going to go around the city, and we're going to take these little cards that were on your seat. And you guys who are watching online today, you can get them off off the website even, and maybe share them online. But we're going to take these cards around. We're going to just look for ways to pay it forward and show kindness and goodness all week long, volunteering our hours. And we're going to collect and pool and just kind of get a snapshot of how many hours we gave. And to date, it's pretty cool, collectively in those five weeks, uh, over these last years, we've given away 11,787 hours together in five weeks. That's pretty crazy. 11,000, almost 12,000 hours. And I am—I think this is going to be the biggest and best love week ever. And here's, here's why. Not just because we're doing it and we're getting better at it. You're getting better at being generous. But this year, we're seeing it converge with another initiative we have on the go. For those of you who have been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about this this theme of revival where we've been asking and we've been contending and dreaming about what would it look like for God to do a fresh work in our church, that we actually wanna receive a new deposit from God. We wanna receive more from God. We're getting in this posture where we're hungry, Amen? We're, we're, we're desiring to see God do a fresh work. We realized a couple weeks ago that it had been seven complete years since we saw God do a work of transformation and renewal in our church, and we decided we don't want to spend another seven years just at the same level, but we want God to take us higher. Amen? We want God to take us deeper. We want to take God to take us farther. We want a new work. And so what we're saying is what, what, what was enough is no longer enough for us. God, we want more. And so we've been contending for this revival, renewal in our hearts, renewal in our families, renewal in this church, renewal at our locations, and that we hope that it gets so hot and so amazing and so powerful that that what God does in us actually spills over through us and it works unto the ends of revival in our region. We want to see tens of thousands of people. Like, I want a great awakening in Atlantic Canada. Does anybody else want to see that? I want to see 100,000, 200,000 people come to follow Jesus just out of nowhere. And I believe that's going to start when the church gets activated. And so today we're seeing that those two things, they're connected. And I want to just put that before you up front. I'm going to be quick, but I want to teach and show this connection between what we do for others and what we release on the earth. And God, what he releases to us. That there's actually a connection, I believe, this year to how we treat love week connected to our prayers and our desire to see God do something new in us. That, that maybe another way to say it is that, that what happens through us is going to determine what happens to us. That how we respond this week is connected to how God does what we're asking him to do in us. I very much believe that this year, like never before, is connected as an offering, not just to the world around us. And and listen, I could get up here and I could list off all the the charities and all the organizations that we're gonna be supporting and their worthy causes. And maybe you're here today and you're not a person of faith. Look, you should participate too because it's gonna help people and that's a great reason. But for us who are contending for revival, I actually think there's another layer to this this year that maybe hasn't been as present in the past. And I believe this year more than ever isn't just an offering to help others, but it's an offering that calls on God and says, God, we want more of you. Here's my faith. And so I believe that we're connected and we're seeing a connection between what we do and how we meet others' needs and how God meets ours. And to look at that, I want to look at how the flow of God's grace happens in our lives. And I just read the story of a woman who the Bible says in Second Kings 4, she was this widow. We don't know how long she was a widow. We don't know how long that she'd been living like that. But to give you some context, I mean, being a widow and a single mom is a hard thing even in our day. These are the, probably, probably, I mean, the single moms we have in our family, in our church family, you guys have an incredible load upon you. Now, multiply that in their day because a, a widow generally did not have any source of income. They didn't, they didn't work. There was no real job opportunities. And so when the husband died, really your, your resource and your source of income went with him. And so here we have this woman who now we find had been living on her own with her two sons after her husband, who was a prophet, passed away. And we find that now she has got to the point where the creditors showed up at her door and come knocking on the door and they're about to come possess her sons. Now you think, well, how can that happen? Well, in that day, if a person got desperate enough, you could actually offer your children as a security on taking a loan. Now, it sounds pretty savage to us, but that was an actual thing back then. This doesn't mean that she didn't love her kids. In fact, we're going to find out quite the contrary. But this meant that she was in such a desperate place and in such a desperate form that she would literally exhausted all of her other options. She'd sold off everything, taken multiple loans in the hopes that something would shift and she'd be able to get above the demands on her life. But over and over, it seemed like setback after setback after setback to where she found herself, we don't know how long it took, but she found herself in an insurmountable deficit. It was an absolutely insurmountable deficit. There was not enough supply to meet the demands on her life. You ever been in the deficit? Yeah. There's like a, a an, an audible, uh, yes. Yeah, we all have, like whether it's financial, many of you have have dealt with the the challenges of finances, that it seems like there are more demands on your income than you have income coming in, that that there's there's actually more demand than there is supply and you're not able to meet it. Like some of you already have November's paycheck spent and it's mid-September. You know what it means to be in a deficit, that you're always playing catch up. Some of you, it's not financial. Maybe it's it's peace. It's in the area of peace. Like you, for all of the challenges in your life and all the complexities, and all the demands on your mind and on your on your thoughts and on your stress, is just you, you, you can't get enough peace to just overcome the demands on your life. Anybody just feel like that? I just I just don't have peace because every time I seem to get things in place, there's another demand and another withdrawal and another withdrawal. It just seems like there's more going out than coming in you ever felt like that maybe for you it's patience maybe for you it's courage there are more things to be afraid of than you have confidence whatever your deficit is we can kind of identify with this woman today this idea of having a deficit and she had a deficit deficit but now some of you you might not even think you have one Sometimes we don't even detect deficits until it's way late. Like she was, she was behind for a long time. I mean, how desperate do you have to get to, to sell off everything and then eventually take out a loan that you're going to basically sign the line and say, if I don't pay this by this time, you can come take my boys." I mean, you got to be desperate at that point. And I don't think we realize when we're in a deficit at first. But some of the telltale tell signs that you're in a deficit is we get defensive first. We start to get defensive. It's this kind of posture we have where we're pushing everybody away. We're pushing everything away. Why? Because we don't feel like there's enough to respond to that need. I found myself this week. Let, let, let me know if you can identify with this. It was one of those weeks where I just had withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. I was busy. My time was shot. I had demands. I had deadlines. And then we had all kinds of stuff just going wrong with the house. We had all kinds of money and stuff that was, gonna, it was costing us money. It was one of those weeks. Ever find like everything breaks at the same time? Okay, that happens to you too. It's not just me. Good. No, that's not good. Anyway. It was, one of those, it was one of those weeks where, where I, just, I just had over and over withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. And I found myself on Thursday night. And I was trying to remember for the sake of the illustration even what she said. But I came home and I came in the kitchen and my wife was getting supper ready and the kids were there. And she said something to me. I don't even remember what it is. And I just went, <laughs> <laughs> right, like back off. And I noticed later on that night as I was working on my sermon <laughs> that I was in a deficit, that I mistreated her because I thought she was after something that I did not feel I could give her. You want, everybody wants something from me. Can you just hold your requests, right? Anybody ever? It's a deficit. It's a deficit. And now if we're going to overcome deficits, though, we first and foremost, you're taking notes, write this down. I want to talk for a second about how do you overcome deficits. And the first thing you've got to understand is a deficit is not primarily, it's not primarily a demand problem. It's primarily a source problem. Yes. That yes, okay, spending, and some of you are just dumb with money and some of you just don't, you, you, you make stupid decisions, But but primarily... When we find ourselves in consistent and reoccurring deficits, it's not that bad stuff just happened. It's that your your source is insufficient to deal with the demands of your life. And so this woman had an insufficient source. Her income stream dried up when her husband died. And so now she's trying, to, she's trying to pay all the demands in her life by selling things off, maybe taking odd jobs. But it didn't matter. No matter what she did, she wasn't able to meet the need of the demand. Her supply was insufficient. And that's what's happening for us when we find ourselves in deficits. It's revealing something, that we are going to an insufficient supply. And so if you're ever going to get on top of your deficits in your life, first and foremost, you've got to reset your source. You have to reset your source. You have to really reevaluate if the sources that I'm going to can actually be sufficient to pay the debt and the, and the demands of my life. Now, I'm not talking about money. I hope you know that. I'm talking about much bigger things than, than money. Is where you get your peace from, is where you draw your peace from, is it sufficient to give you enough peace to deal with the demands of your life? Is where you draw your sense of self-worth from, is it sufficient to give you enough validation to deal with the demands of your life? Is where you draw your courage from, is it sufficient to give you enough confidence to deal with the demands of your life? Most of us, we make the mistake of focusing on the fruit of our problems when in actuality we need to start looking at the root of our problem and asking the question, is my source sufficient to give me what I need to deal with the demands of my life? Things started changing for this woman, and we don't know how long it took, but this story started to shift when she decided, I'm going to change my source. This isn't working for me. And now, unfortunately, like the woman, like the widow, a lot of us, it takes until we hit rock bottom where we realize I need to go to God for that. But she realized finally at this point that I got, I got to go to the man of God. I need God's help. And this is where things started to shift for her. She changed her source. Listen, you and I, we run into problems and run into deficits because we are starting with an insufficient source. God actually wants to be the source in your life. And you know what I found in my life? He will let you continue to draw up deficits if it's going to get you to the place where you realize I have insufficient sources I need to get to Him. You know what I've found in my life? That my deficits are God's invitations. That the days where I feel like there's not enough of me to go around, the days where I feel like I didn't get enough validation to feel self-worth, the days where I felt like I don't have enough peace to deal with all the stress in my life, I have found, and I'm slowly learning in my life, that those, those challenges that we face and those deficits and those shortfalls, those are invitations to God to see Him as sufficient. What is your source? Who is your source? Where are you drawing peace from? Maybe maybe Facebook and getting all those Facebook likes. Maybe you're starting to wake up to the fact that, that that's an insufficient source to feel like you're worth something. Like like maybe maybe some of you it's not it's not validation. Your your deficit is always for peace and you you you're you're a you're a mom and you work so hard to make sure that everything's just so. Any any just so people? Just everything's got to be in its place. Everything's got to be in order. And you work so hard and you grind so hard and that's okay and that's good. But what you, the mistake you make is you, you're actually trying to draw peace from having everything in its rightful place. But I've found in my life, and I suspect you're starting to find this in yours, that, that you can't control the things that happen in your life. And you need, a, you need a source of peace that is greater than you just having everything in place. You need a source of peace that surpasses the demands upon your life. What is your source? Check your source. She reset her source and things started to change. So we need to, th- first and foremost, be thinking today about where is my ultimate source? And then the Bible says this. It says that she came to the man of God and she says in verse 2. So she comes to him. She says, hey, I've got nothing left. They're coming after my sons. And then Elisha says this. I love this. He says... What can I do to help you? And then, and then I love this. Watch this. He says, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Do you notice that he didn't let her answer? I think that's funny. That, that makes me laugh. Like I picture, I picture him like answering the question for himself. He's like, what can I do to help you? And then he sees that, oh yeah, you're the, you're the girl that sold everything and you're, now your kids are, are going to be repossessed. So uh, let's, let's, you've tried. Okay, we're not, we're not going to, save your answer. He says, what, what can I do to help you? And then look what he does. He asks her a question and this is so critical. Look what he says. He says, tell me, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have in the house? Now note her answer. What does she say? Say it out loud. Nothing. Nothing. I got nothing. I have not a thing. I have nothing, she says. And then there's a, bring that scripture back up actually, because there's a, there's a cool apostrophe in there. She says, nothing at all, apostrophe. Now I picture Elisha sort of just standing there like this, waiting. Just that awkward, awkward pause. You ever like, ever be in a conversation with someone like just, they just leave you hanging and they're like, they wait until you say something else. I feel like that's what's happening right here. She says nothing at all. And then she finally says, well, except I have one, I have one flask of oil. I have, I have one flask of oil. I literally, I sold all my furniture. I sold the MacBook Pro. I even sold the dog. Uh, but that's, that's, that's mean. I, I, I have a flask of oil. It's all I got. It's all I have left. And it's nothing. It's just oil. It's, 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 it's minimal. It's not even a lot. And it's just oil. It's not going to do anything. So I, I actually need something major here, Elisha. My sons are about to be repossessed. I'm in infinite debt. I need a miracle. All I got is oil. And you're talking to me about oil. You're asking me what I have in my house. And you're talking to me about oil. I say it's nothing. Now what's happening here is Elisha is confronting her mindset. He's confronting how she thinks. Did you know that poverty, yes, there are systemic issues that cause people to stay stuck in poverty. And I believe as the church, and that's one of the things we're doing with Love Week, that we need to be people who look for people in need and we help them break through barriers and we help them get over hurdles that they've not been able to, that they just don't have the means to do. That's the heart of God, amen? But you know what I've found out, especially doing some traveling to third world countries, I saw it in Guatemala, I saw it in Haiti. I have found out that poverty is primarily right here. Like, poverty is primarily in how you see what you have. I've met millionaires who are very poor. They would have said the same thing to Elisha What I have is not enough. There's enough. There's so many millionaires that die and they say, You know what? I wish I could have made another million because what I have is not enough. And I've found people, I've been in mud huts with families who live in one room with chickens and in a mud floor I've been in there and they don't know they're poor how because it's a perspective yes they know they know they don't have a lot of money but there's a level of of uh, of joy they have and an outlook on what they have they're grateful for what they have and this is this idea that lack is first and foremost formed in your mind And Elisha confronts this mindset. You need to change your mind. You need to see what you do have, not what you don't have. Did you notice that? What did he ask her? He says, what do you got? He didn't start with, what's your problem? Did you notice that? He didn't say, okay, how much debt do we have? Oh, wow. Yeah, you're in trouble. He didn't do that, did he? He said, what do you have? He wasn't worried about what she doesn't have, and this is a shift we have to make if we're going to see God start blessing our lives. The blessing doesn't come in what we don't have. God always starts with what we do have. We have to change our minds. Look, I, I think that, this, that Love Week is an opportunity for us in the, in the region to start confronting that have-not mindset. There is a have-not mindset in the Maritimes. I've actually heard it literally said, we live in a have-not province. What?! What? Have you seen what we have? It's amazing. We have to change our mind. What do we have? We have amazing people. What do we have? We have like the craziest like housing market ever. What I have is incredible. Like I have a yard. What? We have the most beautiful river system ever. We have the highest tides in the world. We have the most glorious culture. And we have incredible weather most of the time. Right? Like, not most of the time, but we have it. It's enough. It's enough. We got to change our mindset. And Elisha tackles her mindset. And he says, listen, if God's going to do something great, it's not in what you don't have. He wants to take what you do have and multiply it. And here's the thing, like some of you, some of you, are thinking, I need a miracle. You know where miracles start? They start in what's left. They start in what's left. We pray wrong. We come to God and we say, God, I need a breakthrough in this area. You know, some of you, some of you are, are, are praying for, for like, for, some, for God to just kind of airdrop something out of the sky. That's not how it works. God's deliveries aren't by parachute. That's not how it happens. They're grassroots. They come up from within. God always uses a remnant. When we get talking about revival, every revival that's ever happened has always happened through a small group of people. It's always happened when it looked like the church was dead and it looked like the church was dying. There was a small little group of people almost hidden that God touches. And up from within, he gets their heart and they start overflowing and and bubbling over and it pours out into the streets. And then all of a sudden people catch on and it compounds. God multiplies what's left. And so some of you are already thinking, like, how can you ask me to give? I'm a college student. I got nothing. Or some of you are thinking, you know, I'm on a a fixed income. I've got nothing. The question God would ask you is, what do you have? What do you have? He's not asking you to give something you don't have. And he's not going to give you, he's not going to deal with what you don't have. He wants to do the miracle with what you do have. See, the breakthroughs come not by God giving us what we don't have. It's by us giving him what we do have. That's super important because God is looking at your house right now. He's looking at your life right now. And he's saying, I see all kinds of miracles if you just put it in my hands. I see all kinds of spaces and places that I could do something amazing if you would just trust me with it. Don't call something nothing that God wants to make an exception. He can do that. And I've seen that. I saw that in my own life. Listen, when I started as a senior pastor here, I did not feel equipped for the job at all. I was 29, and I was heartbroken, and I was not in a space or a place. But you know what I did? I offered God what I do have. God, I'm not capable. God, I don't know how to take a church through this grieving process. God, I don't know how to do these things, but I'm available. Use me. Use what I got. Have you seen that in your life, like the times? Is that, that's, why, that's why it's so significant when you come to church and like you just started coming to church and you signed up to, to serve and we, we put a red shirt on you and it seems like such a small little thing. But t- I'll tell you something. When you give God the small little thing, you trust Him with it over and over. What He does is He does big things in your life. That's how He works. He's a multiplier. See, we got to learn how to do math. With God, it's not one plus one equals two. It's my little bit plus him equals a surplus. That's how it works. It's divine mathematics. So she actually brought what she did have. If you're, if you're taking notes, some of you are like, you're, you're like OCD and you want the notes. Here, here's the second thing we need to do if we're going to overcome deficits in our life is you need to reset your source and then you need to recognize your something. Everybody has a Something. Whatever it is you're looking for, like some of you, some of you are praying, some of you are praying for a spouse. You're probably walking past him every day. He might be sitting beside you right now, or he might be sitting around in your section right now. And you're like, mm-hmm. God has placed the miracle within reach. I just want to say that. God has placed the miracle within reach. It's already in your hand. You gotta give it. He's a God who uses a remnant. He takes what seems insufficient and inadequate and he makes it more than enough. Read your Bible. He did it in Genesis. He took Noah, he took one family who, who, who just said, I'm available, and he saved humanity through him. Look at look at Moses. He, he, he raised up Moses, this guy who was a who was a fugitive and a murderer, and God calls him and says, I'm gonna I'm gonna save. Save my people from the hand of Pharaoh. And Moses, what did he say to him? He says, I have a speech impediment and I have a stick. A stick. (laughs) That's that's not in the Hebrew, I don't think. Um, And and then he says what? He says to God, he goes, uh, how how are we going to do this? And God says what? He says, what's in your hand? We'll use your stick. God can take your little bit and make it more than enough. He just can. I want to challenge some of you as we get ready to give here in a couple minutes. It's not not about like whether you're able to write a big check. It's what do you have, and being willing by faith to use it. So let's let's keep going. Let's 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 finish the story. It says it says that he says, "Tell me what you do have in the house." Nothing at all, well, except the flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said this, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your, the, from your flask, there it is, from your flask. Pour out what you have from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. She did as she was told. That's huge, obedience. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. And she filled one after another, and soon every container was filled to the brim. Wow, what a, what, a, what, a, what a miracle. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. Now, I wish I had time to break this all down, but I just want to kind of deliver this, this one point. Here's the deal. If we are going to see God start to bring not just breakthrough and to start answer the deficits, but to bring us into the place of overflow, you need to, number three, re- release your remnant. You need to pour it out. What did she do? Let's, let's break it down. Did you, did you notice? It's, it's loaded with symbolism for our lives. First thing she had to do was what? She had to make room. Did you notice? What did Elisha say? He said, go and make space. He said, go into your room. After you've gone around, go to your neighbors and get jars. Get empty, empty jars and bring them into your room and just, and just set them up. Just go find as many jars as you can and bring them into your room and get ready. You need to actually prepare a place and create the space for God to move. We talked about this last week. We talked about rebuilding altars. Do you remember? Were you here? We talked about how God always fills what he forms, that oftentimes we're wondering why God isn't pouring himself out upon us when the reality is we haven't given him any space to do so. That God always fills what he forms, that, that we talked about how revival is the fire of God falling on the forms of our faith. That's what she's doing. She went and she created space. Like how crazy is that? That's faith. She went around borrowing jars, like here's that crazy lady who tried to sell me your dog, now she's asking for a jar right, from all of her neighbors. She's borrowing jars and she, and it says, go into your room and shut the door. And and the Bible says, and I love this, it says, she did as she was told. It was a picture of obedience. Listen, God won't fill what's not empty. He won't fill what's already full. Whenever you see in the Bible God's filling come, He comes into something empty. Like you read Genesis, it says God created the heavens and the earth. God created the skies and He filled it with the sun and the moon and the stars. God formed the earth and He filled it with livestock and plants and animals. God formed the seas and He filled it with fish. God formed the man and the woman, and the Bible says he filled them with the breath. God always fills what he forms, but here's the trouble most of us run into. We live our lives packed so full that there is no room for God to fill us. And then we wonder why God isn't doing a new thing in us and God isn't giving us what we need. Like some of you, you struggle so bad to just find peace. You have anxious thoughts all the time. And then you come into a season where it goes into overdrive and you're like, just just fear is just flowing out of you. And you're like, God, help me. God, where's your peace that passes all understanding? And God says, I would give you peace if I had somewhere to put it. But you're already full. Like, what did you do today? You got up, you listened to some random trashy music, and then you watched Desperate Housewives and chased it with CSI, right? And then you, you chatted with your girlfriends and you just vented all your issues. And then you come to me and you say, God, would you fill me with your peace? And I got nowhere to put it. See, creating space actually looks like obedience. It's a word that's not super fun for us. It's discipline. It's actually saying, God, I can't afford in this season to fill my mind with crap. I need to pour that stuff out and come to you empty. Listen, God can't resist you when you come empty. The mistake a lot of us make is we come full. Like some of you, you're trying to get your life in order and deal with your shame and deal with the the problems and the things you've done in the past. And you think that when you come to church, I got to get everything just so I got to, you know, I got to feel bad. I got to, you know, quit smoking and drinking and I got to kind of get my life in order. Then i am gonna come back and God's going to give me what I want. God doesn't want your works. He wants you to come empty and say, God, I need you. And I'm pouring out my futility. I'm pouring out my past. I'm pouring out my inadequacy. I'm pouring out the things I'm ashamed of. And I'm coming to you empty. God wants us emptied. He wants empty vessels. That, uh, we, need to, we need to park there one of these weeks and just talk about creating space. Listen, God will fill the space you give him. But some of us, are, we're so packed like, think about your time. I've got no time. I've got no time. I've got no space. It just seems like I'm chasing my tail all the time. What would happen if you just gave God a little bit of space in your life? Like in the morning, you say, you know what? I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier, and I'm going to pour that time out, and I'm going to give it to God and see what he does with it. Empty spaces come empty. She had to make room, and then what did she do? It says she went into her door, into her room, closed the door, and she took her little flask and all of her jars. Picture all these jars around her—just jars everywhere. She bo- she cleaned her whole town out of jars. She's just the jar girl now. And it says she got down in her room and she took her little flask, and she started pouring into the jar. And as she poured, it says that she filled the jar. The jar filled up, and she grabbed the next one, and she kept pouring. And it kept filling. And she grabbed the next one, and she kept pouring, and it kept filling. And here's the miracle: As long as she kept pouring, the miracle kept flowing. And it was only when there were no more containers did the oil stop flowing. Do you see that? God will fill what you form. God will fill what we form, and the oil will continue to flow as long as there is need that you have actually had faith to pour. And I think that's that's where the rubber meets the road. She had faith. And most of us, this is where we stop. We can believe God for miracles, but we don't actually have real faith, and it requires this real faith to pour it out. Can you imagine how crazy she would have felt? Here's my last little bit of oil. That's all I got left. If this doesn't work, we got nothing. And she, she poured that last little bit out. And it's so crucial that we understand that if you don't pour it out, you won't see God's grace flow. Most of us, like, you, you, don't, you aren't receiving fresh grace because you aren't releasing what you already had. That is so crucial. Hear me on this. Like, some of you, you struggle with unforgiveness. You struggle to, to actually release somebody of the thing they've done to you. The flow of God's forgiveness will continue to you as long as you continue to release. That's why forgiveness is a daily thing. Like some of you, you know, you've been hurt and wounded bad. You, someone did something to you and it's brutal and they have a hold on you and you have unforgiveness and you keep praying, God, this isn't healthy. I, I don't want to hate them. God, would you help me just let it go? And God says, no, you just pour out what you do have. And as you pour out your forgiveness that day, God is going to flow new mercy into you. That's what Jesus meant when he said, give and it will be given to you. That's what he meant when he says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Do you see? You dictate the flow of the kingdom in your life. And most of us, we live with the flow of God's grace backed up. It's stagnation because we're withholding what we do have. And God says, if you would just release it, I'll release new mercy into you. She had to keep pouring, and as she kept pouring, the grace kept flowing. This is what Love Week really is. Love Week is us making room in time and making room in our finances and making room in our hearts and in our churches for God to fill and do a new work. But the way that we do that is to pour out and release what we do have. And here's the thing. Everybody under the sound of my voice has something. You can find a little bit of time you can find a little bit of money and you can pour what little bits you do have. And God knows, God knows what it is for you. But as you release those things, as you release the remnant, God will flow his blessing into you. The band can come back, and we're gonna we're gonna pray in a minute. But here's the deal with Love Week. For those of you who don't know, Love Week is this concerted effort that we just, we're just we're just gonna be generous. We believe that we've been loved, and so we're gonna love. It's very simple. We just just give money, and we give time, and we give love, and we give generosity all around. And let me tell you something. It does something incredible. It absolutely does something incredible. So in just a minute, we're going to take an offering, and I'm going to ask you to pour out what you do have. There are jars all around the room, and we're we're going to pour out, and we're going to release what we do have. And God's going to guide you in this. He's asking you right now, what's in your house? What's in your hand? Open up your calendar and say, God, Where's an hour I can give? Where's two hours I can give? Open up your checkbook, your pocketbook. Do you have pocketbooks? Do we do that anymore? Flip open your RBC app or whatever it is and say, God, where, where is something I can give? Can I quit coffee for the week? Where can I find what little bit? There is a hidden little bit even. And some of you, you need to hear this. The Bible says the measure you give will be the measure you receive. So some of you, you have a lot more means Melanie and I, last night, when we were, when we were talking about what, what are we going to do, we, we both agreed on the number and then we upped it because I want to feel it. Look, if you don't feel it, God's, you don't feel it that much, I don't think God feels it that much. Some of you, God's given you a lot of means, and so you need to actually say, you know what, generosity for me looks different than it does for the college kid, and I embrace that. To whom much is given, much is expected. And I need to write a big check. So for those of you who like are like brand new to this, like what are we talking here? Some of you you need to give 100 bucks, some of you need to give a thousand bucks, some of you need to give 5,000 dollars. Some of you, I don't know, you just need to talk to God about what it is, and when we all pool what we have, we're going to see God do something we can't do by ourselves. It's incredible. So if you want to get more direction on Love Week, I mean we're going to do the offering here in a second, and we're going to let you know by the end of the week where it all went. You come back next week, you're gonna see an incredible celebration of, of how, how everything happened. We have some incredible things lined up. But I'm asking if you just trust me this year. I, I ask that every year and you do, but I'm asking you again. I could get up here and I could talk about all the worthy causes that we're giving to, and there are many. But more than that, I want you to see this as an opportunity between you and God. You want God to do a new thing in you? You need to release what you currently have. I believe this is a test and it's a window opportunity. This is a chance for us to make some space for God to fill. So that's what we're doing. So if you want more information, you, go, you can go to our loveweek.cc website. And on there, there's a bunch of uh, different initiatives that are happening that you can join different groups that are going to be doing service projects. Uh, we, got, we got a bunch of women going uh, in town tomorrow to, to, to serve. We got all kinds of stuff happening. You can find out some of those online. But more than that, we want you to just, you as a family and you as a couple or you as an individual even, just figure out ways to just show the love of Christ. Do something for someone else. Take, take a bunch of these cars. we got all kinds of them out there. And, and just do something for someone. And we're going to try to, after you've done something, can you go to back to our website and log your hours in? And the reason we do that is just to kind of give a snapshot. We always know more was done than came in, but it's kind of cool to be able to say, whoa, we gave 1,000 hours, or we gave 5,000 hours or whatever it is. It's just fun to do that. So we'd love it if you'd go back on the website and you'd look at that. But I want you to trust me today as you give and realize that we could talk and make this about who we're giving to and the organizations we're giving to, but really I want this year more than ever before to connect it to, to why we're giving. And we're giving because we have received. I love this this story of the woman because it's a picture of the gospel. Did you catch it? Oil in the Bible represents the anointing, represents the presence of God. It's it's a symbol, symbol of Christ. And when you think about what Christ did for us, didn't he do what this woman did? Didn't he, when we were bankrupt, didn't he come for us? And take what he had, and he emptied himself of his glory, he emptied himself of his power, and he poured himself out. He denied himself, and he gave all he could, even the night he was betrayed, all alone. He poured himself out, he sweated in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what the Garden of Gethsemane is? You know, you know what Gethsemane means? The olive press, olive oil. He was pressed in that place as his stress and his fear and anxiety, he had to overcome it and it was poured out. And then the next day, we we, we see him on the cross as he breathed out his last and he cried out, Father, forgive them, They they know not what they do. As he cried out, it is finished, he did that for us. As his blood poured out, that's mercy and grace flowing. And here's the good news, it never stops flowing. And so you and I today can receive. Here's, here's the, the bottom line. The gospel sets us free from lack. The gospel sets us free from lack. I can be generous. Why? Because I look at the cross and realize I've been given much. I can give much. I look at the cross and realize that if he died for me, he's going to take care of me. If he provided for my eternal soul, he can provide for my daily bread. Amen. That's why we look at the gospel, and this is a picture of the gospel. So this year I want, maybe like never before, to just put that added connection on, this Love Week is, is for St. John. We've even got it on the back of, on the back of our, our, our thing here. It says for St. John. The ones in Halifax says for Halifax. And Love Week is very much for that purpose. But, but I wonder if this year we can add another hashtag and just put it first and say, for Jesus, like for the Lord. And what for you is a gift and a sacrifice this year that says, God, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my family. I want more of you in my church. What would, what would happen if we just approached it this year uh, that way? I think, I think we'd have the biggest and best love week ever. And I believe we're going to. I think God's already stirring your hearts and you already know what to do. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to pray that this, this, this offering would be multiplied, that God would take our little bit, and that this week would serve as a remnant. Amen? That this is a week. It's it's, a, it's, a, it's one week we're giving, but we're asking God as we put it in your hand that you multiply it and that we hear stories for years about, you know, it was love week that happened and you guys did that and God just planted a seed and I came around and I gave my life to Jesus and he he, he transformed our whole family. We're believing that there's going to be ripple effects. It's a remnant. This is a remnant and we are a remnant. What if, what if King's Church was a remnant in the region and that Love Week is just the beginning of the flow of God doing a new work in the region? Maybe we're a remnant. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you. There are jars around. If you can't get the symbolism, I can't help you. Um, There are jars at the front and the back and you have oil. And I want you to pour it out in the jar. Whatever that looks like for you to pour out, I want you to do that. Now, some of you, you literally don't have something to put in the jar, you have plastic cards. And we have jars set up at the table next to a debit machine and a Visa machine and you can pour out by swiping. So whatever you gotta do, and so you can go right there after I'm done praying, the band's gonna play and I'm just gonna let you get up and start coming and we are going to pour out what we have. So let's stand and let's pray and you guys can get ready to respond. Let's ask God to do what we can't do ourselves. So Father, thank you today for this opportunity. Thank you today that there's new mercies every single morning. And Lord, right now we get in the flow of your goodness and your kindness and your grace. We remind ourselves about the cross of Jesus that we have received. Therefore, we can give, that we have been loved much, so we can love much. We have been given much, so we can give much. So, Father, we just remind ourselves of the gospel. We set ourselves, uh, we, we, we remind ourselves that you have set us free from lack, that we have all that we need, and that you are faithful to supply not just what we need, but even more, that we can live in the overflow and abundance. So Father, with great faith and great obedience, we make space and we pour out what we have. And Lord, we ask that you would take this offering and you'd multiply it for your fame in this region. Lord, would people be talking about Jesus this week? Lord, we pray that it would go beyond people saying, hey, have you heard about that crazy church? We ask that this year, more than ever before, people people would would move from talking about King's Church to talking about the King of King's Church and they talk about Jesus and that there'd be conversations in the offices and conversations in the bedrooms and conversations in the dorm rooms and conversations at the bus stop that go to the Savior, that people would see our good deeds and they give glory to the Father in heaven. So God, we with great faith bring what we have and we ask that you'd multiply it for your name and your fame. And Lord, we just, we just make this a seed, a seed of faith, for the new work we're believing you're going to do Lord. We're asking for revival and so in the name of revival and our desire for it we release what we do have wanting to see a greater work in a greater measure. In Jesus name and all God's people said. Come on say it like you believe it. All right. Come to all the stations. You can go back there if you have visa or debit. Come up come up here and let's let's bring let's pour out into the jar what we have. Come on. Hello, and thank you for your interest in King's Church's Love Week. It's an annual event we put on where we just try to show the love of Christ in tangible ways. We give away money, we give acts of kindness, we serve, we love on people as best we can, all over Southern New Brunswick and in the Halifax areas. And so I wanna invite you to participate with us. You don't have to go to King's Church be part of this all the money that we get all the money that's collected goes back out the door to worthy causes and charitable organizations who are doing great work and experiencing great need so i want to invite you to partner with us you can donate go to loveweek.cc and jump on board and let's show the love of christ like never before thanks for helping us